Many times God does things in our life, we don't understand why He does them, but in time, if we trust and obey, He makes those things known unto us. And so we simply need to continue to trust and obey. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at Matthew chapter... Turn, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 1. We'll be looking at quite a few verses this morning throughout the Bible. Uh, but it's, of course, Christmas season, and during the Christmas season, there are a lot of words that we hear uh, usually uh, exclusively or most often during the Christmas season. And uh, we're going to look at one of those words this morning, but some of them uh, that just came to mind, I think about... Noel, we hear the word Noel at Christmas time. We don't really say it any other time of the year. But Noel is uh, just, uh, just means Christmas or a Christmas carol. It's a song that we sing at Christmas. I think about the word manger. Uh, of course, mangers are used all the time uh, to feed cattle, to feed livestock. But when we hear manger, uh, especially during this time of the year, we're brought back to uh, the time that Christ, he was born and placed in a manger. Think about Bethlehem. It's, uh, of course, a town. People live there. Even today, there's a town called Bethlehem. But Bethlehem, when we hear in Bethlehem, we think about uh, usually where it was where Christ was born, in the town of Bethlehem. So there are many words that we hear, uh, especially around Christmas, that, uh, that remind us of different ideas during Christmas. And this morning, we're going to look at uh, one of the names of Christ, and that is Emmanuel. Uh, we don't really refer to Christ that often as Emmanuel, except around Christmas time. But Emmanuel, uh, of course, we know that the name, the Bible tells us that the name Emmanuel, it means God with us. And we can be thankful and rejoice that God, He's not just with us at Christmas time, though He is, but He's with us all the time. He's with us every day and throughout the whole year. Um, and so we should, we should uh, take a, a, I want to take a minute this morning and consider some of the implications, some of the blessings that we have knowing that Emmanuel is with us, that God is with us. How many world religions do you know where their God humbled themselves and came to live among men? There, there aren't any. We only read of the God of the Bible, the one true God. He came to, he humbled himself. He came as a baby. He was born, uh, born and placed in a manger. Um, his audience was some livestock, uh, just a few shepherds. And of course, Mary and Joseph. And, and that was his, his humble birth, his humble coming to the world to live among us, to live among men, the very people who would put him to death, the very people he came to, die, to, to uh, save, uh, despised him and hated him and sinned against him, but he loves us anyway, and he came to live among us. And so uh, this morning, I want us to consider some ways that God is with us, that Emmanuel is with us, and that we get to experience him each and every day of our life. And it should be one of the most encouraging reminders to us as believers that God, He is with us. He, he walks with us. He, he helps us. He's with us each and every day. And the Bible says that He will never leave us nor forsake us. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 6 through 8 say, say this, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth uh, go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. Neither forsake thee. Fear not. Neither be dismayed. So this morning, uh, I want us to consider six ways that we see from the Bible that God is with us. I want us to learn about Emmanuel this morning. Uh, that he is with us. Uh, we have enemies in our life that would uh, uh, seek to cause us to become discouraged, fearful, uh, worried, doubting God, but we can have faith knowing that God is with us and he does not leave us or forsake us. Uh, and so this morning, uh, we're going to see six ways that he is with us. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, if you would. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 the Bible says, uh, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day that you've given us, and uh, I thank you again for the opportunity that we have to come together as a church to worship you, to look at your word this morning. God, and, and to consider the reality that you are with us. And when the devil and this world and our flesh would desire for us to forget that, to live in fear, Lord, we are reminded that you are with us. You, you do not forsake us. Uh, Lord, that you want to guide us and protect us and, and help us. God, I ask that you help us to, um, to consider these blessings this morning and to leave here encouraged and worshiping our Emmanuel, uh, you, Lord, that you are with us. And so I ask uh, that you'd help me, Lord, to be emptied of self this morning, to be filled with your spirit. And God, I pray that you would do what only you can do this morning, and that's to speak to our hearts. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that, uh, the first way that I want us to see that God is with us is, is simply that God fights for us. He fights for us. Look at Romans chapter 8, if you would. Uh, and from here on out, we'll be looking at different passages in the Bible. Uh, but Romans chapter number 8 and verse 31. Uh, we notice that Emmanuel, he fights for us. And if you've been saved, God is for you. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 says this. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Later on in that passage, if you keep reading... Um, you can see how Paul uh, it reminds the Romans that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Uh, we have been placed into God's family when we got saved. God, God knew that we would be in His family, he, and He knows uh, our future. He knows, he knows the direction that He has for our life. He knows the battles that we face. He knows the discouragement that we deal with in our life. And he fights for us. And there are going to be battles in our life. There's going to be trials. There will be hardships that we deal with. 
persecution, suffering. God did not promise, when, when Jesus said that we need to carry our cross, He didn't promise that it would be easy, that it would be simple. It's a cross. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Uh, but He did promise to be with us. God does promise to fight for us and, and to guide us and to protect us. Look at uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, if you would. Exodus chapter number 14 in verse 14. Uh, the Bible says, The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. In that passage there in Exodus, it's the famous account of the nation of Israel. They're fleeing from Egypt. They left bondage uh, from Egypt, from under the hand of Pharaoh. Uh, and they are now faced up against the Red Sea. Uh, they're hemmed in. The army of Pharaoh is coming behind them. Pharaoh has pursued after them. And he wants to wipe out Israel. He wants to destroy them. What's interesting about that passage, though, and sometimes we don't consider this, is, is that it's God who sent Pharaoh and his army after Israel. Uh, the Bible says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he sent, he hardened Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh would go and chase after Israel. And the reason that God does that, the reason that God allows Israel to be hemmed in by the Red Sea, by the army of Pharaoh, is so that they, they would realize that they had, they had no other hope but God for their deliverance. It's so that they would stop relying on themselves. It's so that they would stop relying on their own strength, their own wisdom, and that they would turn to God alone in faith for deliverance, for help, and for strength. And so the army comes, they're stuck, they see the Red Sea, they, they think that there's nothing else to do, but God tells them to stand still, and He commands Moses to part the Red Sea. And when Israel thought that there was no hope, that there was no escape, that, that there was no comfort, God made a way for them. God fought for them. Just like Israel, we often find ourselves hemmed in. We find ourselves face to face with our enemies, whether it's this, this world, it's the devil, our flesh that want, desires things that are not good. And we often feel like there's no escape, that there's nothing that we can do. Uh, and when we get our eyes off of God, when we get our eyes off of Christ, our Emmanuel, it can feel like that. And when we are not trusting in God, uh, it is like that because in our own strength, we, we, cannot overcome, uh, we cannot overcome those enemies. But we're reminded that God fights for us. And that doesn't mean, though, that we just sit back and we do nothing and let God uh, do everything for us. God fights for us with the expectation that our faith is in Him and that we are going to obey Him. Uh, in other words, God is not going to fight for the Christian who's living in rebellion and, and unbelief. God wants us to have our faith in Him, and He wants us to obey Him. If Israel didn't leave Egypt, if they didn't uh, stand still when God told them to stand still, if they didn't walk through the Red Sea when God made the way, they would have been wiped out. It took God fighting for them and their faith and obedience in their God. And so God fights for us. This morning, we should ask ourselves, uh, what, what trials are, are we facing? And we need to be reminded that we're not alone, that our, our God fights for us. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. We, we pray. We, we trust in God. We obey His Word. Uh, we follow Him where He leads us. 
Do, we all should also ask, do we give thanks to God for what he's done for us in the past? Uh, think about Israel when they were in the wilderness. They were always complaining. They were always murmuring. They weren't giving thanks to God for what he had done, and they were missing out on God's blessings. Uh, part of our faith and our obedience is, is giving thanks to God for what he's already done for us. And so this morning, we see that Emmanuel, he's with us, and that he, he fights for us. And we can lean on, on our God for strength in those battles. We can lean on him for, for, uh, for his help. Uh, and we can be encouraged knowing that Emmanuel fights for us. So he fights for us. Number two, uh, Emmanuel is with us in that he, he protects us. Turn to Psalms uh, 91. Psalm 91 in uh, verses 2 through 4. Psalms 91 verses 2 through 4. The Bible says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Then look at Psalms 144 in verse 2. Psalms 144 in verse 2. This is one of David's psalms. He says, My goodness and my fortress my high tower and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. David, of course, he was a man who loved God. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He wanted to follow God, and he wanted to live for God. And because he wanted to follow God and live for God, he had enemies all around him that opposed that. Uh, you read about David's life and you see how he had friends who betrayed him. He had family who betrayed him. He had all kinds of enemies from different nations around him that, that despised him for following God, that despised him for wanting to do what was right. But David, he knew that God fought for him, as we just saw. He knew that God fought uh, for, for him in his battles. But David, as we see in Psalm 144 in verse 2, he was reminded that his Lord also protected him. Uh, that his Lord, in other words, was a place that he could run to when he could no longer fight. When he had no more strength to keep going, he could run to his fortress, his refuge, his Emmanuel, uh, for protection when there was nothing else that he could do. And so he tells us in Psalm 40, 144 and verse 2 that the Lord, he calls him his high tower. His high tower. And that's important. In ancient times, a high tower, it was a place of protection that the people in the city, they would run to in times of attack, in times of danger. Uh, we see an example of this in the Bible, actually, in Judges chapter 9, verses 50 and 51. The Bible says, then went Abimelech to Thebes and encamped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower within the city. And thither fled all the men and women and all they of the city and shut it to them and gat them up to the top of the tower. 
And so the people of the city, they would run to this high tower uh, for protection, and the soldiers would be outside fighting uh, on behalf of the people. And so the high tower was a place for the defenseless to run to. And it's important to understand what David is recognizing here. David is recognizing that there were times in his life when he was defenseless, when there, there was nothing that he could do to fight in his own strength, and all he could do was to run to his high tower, the one who could protect him in times of danger. It's been said that God, he will never give us uh, more than he can handle. But the truth is, though, that we often face things that we cannot handle, that we cannot deal with in our own strength. It's too much for us, but it's not too much for God. And we should go to him, and we should trust in him because he can help us, and he can protect us. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. There are many trials that many face. Uh, that There are times when we don't know what to do. And we don't know the answers. But we serve a God who does. And we serve a God who knows our future. He knows, uh, he knows what we need to get through that trial or through that hardship. And that's when we, we go to Him for protection as our high tower. By the way, those who are on top of the high tower, those who are outside the high tower, they could see the battle that was going on, while those who were inside couldn't see what was going on. And God is our high tower. When we don't know the, all, of the, all of the battles that we face, when we don't know all of the danger that we face, God does. And He sees all of the enemies around us. He sees, uh, he sees every situation that we cannot see. And so we should go to our Emmanuel for protection. So He protects us. Number three, Emmanuel provides for us. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, if you would. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. Emmanuel provides for us. It says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In that passage, when you study out the book of Philippians, Paul was thanking the Philippian church for their generosity in meeting a need that he had. Uh, and he was thankful that they gave to him to meet that need. Uh, he, he wasn't thankful because it just benefited him. And, uh, and he, but he says he was thankful. Um, he was thankful for that gift. But the reason he tells us that he was thankful they gave is because it was a benefit to them. It was, it was going to be a blessing to them that they would grow, that they would receive uh, spiritual blessings for their giving. Uh, they would receive eternal rewards. We need to remember that during this time in the early church that uh, it was not a wealthy society as we live in. And many of the believers in the church at this time were very poor. They did not have uh, much but they still gave. They still gave to Paul's needs so that he could continue to travel and preach the message of the gospel. But many Christians in this time were very poor. Uh, you can read in history how employers, uh, even the government, would, would restrict them from, from selling, from having a business. 
and they struggled financially. But the Philippian church, they still gave. They were still, uh, they were still faithful to meet the, the needs of Paul and others who served the Lord. And that took real faith. And it took uh, overcoming the fear of not having enough for them to give to Paul, who, who had a need. And that's why Paul reminds them, in verse 19, he reminds them that God would supply their need. When, because from the world's perspective, if you are poor, you don't have much uh, for, for your needs to make ends meet, it's not very wise to give away when you don't have a lot. Uh, it's, not very, it's not very wise to do that from the world's eyes. But in God's economy, uh, giving is what makes us spiritually rich. Giving is uh, what allows God to bless us. And, and God doesn't bless the, the greedy. He doesn't bless those who are the Scrooges. As we, it's Christmas time, we know the story of Scrooge. He would hold on to his money. He wouldn't let it go. I, I heard a, a quote. I don't remember it exactly. But the idea is that uh, you, can, you can clench on to what you have, and it won't leave your hand. But God is not able to put anything into your hand. Uh, because you are greedy and you are holding on to it. Uh, but God blesses, the Bible says, a cheerful giver. He blesses those who are not selfish, uh, but have a love and a compassion for those who have a need around them. And so, but we are reminded that our Emmanuel, uh, he provides for us. He meets our needs. He meets the needs of those who have faith in him and are living uh, like they have faith in Him. And so we should be reminded this season that our manual provides for us. And we should also be encouraged, like the Philippian church, to be giving with what God has given us, uh, to meet the needs of those around us, to be a blessing to those who are struggling. Uh, if God has blessed us uh, to give, to help, it doesn't even have to be financially. We can give of our talents. We can give of our time. Uh, we can give of our, our love to those who, who need it. And God, He provides for us. Uh, God blesses the cheerful giver. Number four this morning, Emmanuel is with us in that He forgives us. Emmanuel forgives us. Look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. First John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, this passage, if you've been coming Sunday evening as we've been working our way through the book of 1 John, you know that John is writing this letter to the early church as they were facing attacks from within and from without. And the early church, they needed to be reminded that even though they weren't perfect, they, they were not sinless, uh, they struggled with sin because of this flesh, they needed to be reminded that God would not stop loving them simply because they had sinned. And that there was opportunity for them to confess and God would forgive them. In other words, just because... They sinned, didn't mean God kicked them out, as, out of his family. He still loved them, and he wanted to forgive them. And so they needed to confess their sins, and God is faithful and just to forgive them. And, it, through, and later on in, in the book, in chapter 2, John 
writes that Jesus, he's their advocate, uh, that he is the propitiation for their, sin, for their sin. John was telling them that Jesus, he stood before God on their behalf, representing them in God's courtroom. If you've been saved, then Emmanuel is with you in that he forgives you. Uh, we are also not perfect. There are times when we sin. We battle with sin, and we will always battle with sin until the day that we die. If we've been saved, we have overcoming power over that sin, though, through Christ and through faith in Him and in His strength. Uh, but when we, when we do sin, we, God does not stop loving us. He does not stop forgiving us. He is with us in that He's, uh, he's our advocate. Just as He was the advocate for the early church here when John wrote this letter, uh, He is our advocate. He represents us uh, to God in God's courtroom. He's also our propitiation. That means he's the satisfaction of God's wrath. He shed his blood on the cross uh, as the payment for our sin so that we did not have to. If you're saved this morning, Emmanuel is with you. When we do sin, we need to confess that sin. And God is faithful and he's just to forgive us of that sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Christian, though, who continues in sin, the Christian who continues in sin unbothered and unconcerned uh, that they have sinned against their father. They are not living as if they have been saved. They are not living as if they belong uh, to God. Uh, they, and they need to confess that sin. But the Christian who does, the Christian who does confess their sin, they show the Spirit of God moving in their heart to convict them uh, and to draw them to repentance. Uh, and it should bring us joy, knowing that Emmanuel, he does not leave us. Uh, and he forgives us when we sin. So he forgives us. Number five, he guides us. Emmanuel is with us in that he guides us. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, in verses 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Say this, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Uh, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. There, we need to understand this morning that there are many influences in our life that seek to guide us, that seek to lead us. Uh, you think about this world and all that it offers, its fame, it's power, money, lust, all of those things want to guide us, want to uh, draw us away from God, want to draw us away from His will and His way. They want us to bow down to them. But as Christians, as believers, our guide in life needs to be our Lord. It needs to be Emmanuel. It needs to be God and His Word. Uh, we don't, and we don't have to live our life trying to figure out our life by ourselves. We don't have to live our life trying to figure out what we need to do uh, without any help. We have a guide, and it's our Emmanuel. And how does he, but how does he guide us? We can say that. We can say that God guides us. Uh, thankfully, he tells us how he guides us uh, in his word. Look at Psalms 119, verse 105. Psalms 119, verse 105. 
says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If, if we want God's guidance, His word is our guide. His word is the lamp to our feet. If you've ever gone, you know, if you've ever gone walking on a trail at nighttime, you bring a flashlight with you so that you can see the steps you're going to take. But it doesn't illuminate the final destination. It illuminates the next few steps uh, along the path. And in the same way, we live in this world that is dark. Uh, there's sin around us, but if we've been saved, we have the light of Christ abiding in us. We have His Word that is a light unto our path. It shows us the next steps that we need to take. In other words, if we've been saved, we don't have to live this life wondering what the next decision is going to be. We don't have to live our life wondering if I'm doing what God wants me to do. We can know when our faith is in Him and when we are following His Word because it's our guide. And so we simply need to read it and we need to obey it. And God will guide us one step at a time. He doesn't show us every single thing that's going to happen to us in the next 20 years all at once. But he shows us each day when we have faith in him and his word, he, he guides us. But do we even take time to consider what God would have us to do in our life? Or do we wake up, we eat breakfast, we get dressed, we go to work, uh, we eat dinner, and we go back to sleep and never once asked, God, what would you have me to do today? What, uh, who would you have me to talk to? What decision would you have me to make in this area in my life? Do we do that? Do we, do we never stop and ask God uh, what His will is for our life? We should, because He wants to show us. He wants to guide us. But we need to be in His Word. We need to be in prayer and ask for God's guidance. And He will, because Emmanuel is with us, and He wants to guide us in our life. He guides us. Finally, though, we see that Emmanuel, he goes before us. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 8. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 8. It's easy to say that we should follow God, uh, and we should, but how can we be confident in knowing that God's will is the best plan for our life. How can we be assured of that? We can be assured because he goes before us. So Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 8 says this, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee, and he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. In this passage here, Israel is just about to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Uh, and they've spent over 40 years now wandering in the wilderness, following Moses. Uh, but Moses, he's old, he's about to die, and Joshua is about to take his place in leading the children of Israel. Uh, and God would not allow Moses to enter the Promised Land because of Moses' sin against God. You remember God... Uh, told Moses to speak to the rock, and he struck the rock. And because of that sin, God told Moses, you are not going to enter the, the promised land. Uh, the rest of Israel will. Joshua will lead them, but you will not, because of his disobedience. Uh, but Moses, he doesn't let that stop him 
from doing all that he can to help Israel. He doesn't let that stop him from continuing to serve God. And so he, from then on, starts to train Joshua to become his replacement, to do what he's been doing in leading Israel in the promised land. And so Moses, uh, he, in verse 8, he's talking to Joshua, and he is encouraging him that God is going to prepare the way, that God has already gone before them into the promised land. Because in the promised land, there were many battles that they would face. There were many enemies that they would face. But God had already been there. God had already seen the steps that they were going to take. God already knew the decisions that they were going to make. And God had already been there. There are no surprises with God. There are surprises with us all the time. We're caught off guard all the time. But that never happens to God. Because He's already gone before us. And He is preparing the way for us. Uh, he is setting up our future, the Bible says, for our ultimate good, uh, not for evil. Sometimes that means going through hardships. We don't like to think of hardships as good things. But in God's eyes, uh, they are for our good. Uh, it's like exercise. When you exercise, it's not fun. Sometimes it hurts, uh, especially afterwards when you have sores. But exercise builds muscle. It builds strength. And that's what uh, trials and hardships do in our spiritual life. They strengthen us. They help us to grow. And God has prepared those things uh, ahead of time in our life. And he's, uh, He will fight with us. He'll fight for us. He will guide us. He will protect us. He will provide for us. Uh, and He goes before us in those times. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, if you would. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. This is going to be the last uh, passage of Scripture we'll look at this morning. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. The Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Why is it expected? Because God knows it. God, He expects it because He's been there. Uh, he knows our future when we don't. He opens up uh, doors for us, uh, and you can think of doors as opportunities, as situations. He opens up those things, not for our evil, but uh, they are for our peace, when our faith is in Him alone, and when we're obeying Him. And so He goes before us. This morning, I hope you have a personal relationship with Emmanuel, because if you are not saved, He is not with you. The Bible says if you are not saved, you are an enemy of God. His thoughts towards you are ones of, uh, his thoughts towards you are not ones of peace until we are saved. And he wants to save each person uh, that, that, that ever lived. Uh, God, the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But for the person who lives their life and dies and never put faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, your end is not one of, of peace. But it can be. And it can be through Emmanuel, through Jesus Christ who came to be with us. He was born uh, over 2,000 years ago as a baby, placed in a manger uh, to live among us, ultimately to die for us so that we could be saved, so that He could be the payment for our sin, so that we could be redeemed and forgiven 
and he wants to give you his spirit. He wants to live uh, within you, and he wants to be with you. He wants to be your Emmanuel, but you must receive that gift of forgiveness by faith. You must uh, repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ alone, and he will forgive you, and he will be your Emmanuel. He will be with you. This morning, I hope that you will make Emmanuel your Emmanuel if you have not. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this morning that you've given us and this day. I thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you are with us. Lord, you do so much for us. Uh, we've only touched a few things that you do for 